for a scripture reading, I invite you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 31. I'll be reading verses 31 to verse 34. Jeremiah chapter 31, beginning at verse 31. If you're using a pew Bible, that can be found on page 784. Let us now hear God's word. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor, and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word made his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, gems girls, gems girls, your theme verse was Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Well, let me ask you a question. What happens when you don't? What happens when you don't do justice? What happens when you don't love kindness? What happens when you don't walk humbly with your God? What happens? You see, an Old Testament prophet, one like Micah, one like Jeremiah, were called by God to be God's mouthpiece. And a prophet of the Old Testament called the people of God who were walking far from God and weren't obeying God back to God. They were calling God's people to turn back, turn from their ways, turned to God because they were disobeying God's covenant. They were breaking God's law, God's covenant that he gave to them after they left Egypt and were at Mount Sinai and the Sinai deserts. They pleaded with the people, return to the Lord, repent of your sin and idolatry, offer right sacrifices for forgiveness Renew the covenant with your God. Change your ways. The prophet spoke in this manner, calling the people back to God. But there were some prophets who just spoke judgment. Your hearts are hard in Israel, therefore God will judge you. You will be exiled. The northern kingdom was exiled in Assyria. The southern kingdom was exiled years later to Babylon. 
So what happens when we don't do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with our God? Like the Israelites. Jeremiah even speaks in the same language. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice with one another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, and shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever, the land of Canaan, the promised land. Obedience brings blessing. Disobedience brings curse. Why do they not obey? Because of unbelief. Unbelief. They neglected the spirit of the law. The spirit of the law. Jesus Christ, our chief prophet, rebuked the scribes and Pharisees when he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. You see how even Jesus similarly looks back to Micah 6 and Jeremiah. These are the weightier matters of the law that have been neglected. But in our sermon text, God promises something new. The Lord makes a new covenant. Not like the one that he made at Mount Sinai, where he gave the Ten Commandments, where he gave ceremonial laws that included sacrificial laws, how to atone for sins, civil laws, how the people of Israel judge one another when there was disobedience. No, I will bring a different law. I will make a different covenant with you. And so we look first at this new covenant promise, the promise of the new covenant in verses 31 and following. Behold, the days are coming. It's a future promise. You see that in your Bibles. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Why did God have to give a new covenant or make a new covenant? What was wrong with the old covenant? What was insufficient? What was insufficient about the old covenant that God, that God will make a new covenant with his people? Let us remember that God saved his people from bondage and slavery in Egypt. We've heard sermons on this recently. He saves them from Pharaoh's arm. And God, by his prophet Moses, led them to Mount Sinai in the Sinai wilderness where he makes his covenant with them, this old co- of covenant. And this idea of to make a covenant literally means to cut off or to cut a covenant. To cut a covenant. 
involving blood. You may recall that Abraham received God's covenant. And God made that covenant with him, cut a covenant. How did he cut a covenant? He gave them promises and he sealed those promises by blood when those animals were cut in two and placed opposite of each other and God walked through those two pieces of the animal. God swore by himself that he would keep his promise. The author of Hebrews speaks to this, referring back to Exodus 24 where blood was necessary to seal a covenant, the promise of the covenant. This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way he sprinkled, that is Moses sprinkled with the blood, both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified by blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so the old covenant was insufficient. Why? Because in order to keep the covenant, everything in the book of the law must be obeyed and fulfilled by man. When they broke God's law and commandments, unintentionally or unintentionally, God gave them the sacrificial laws to atone for sin. But those sacrifices of animals and goats and bulls could not atone for sin permanently. As the author of Hebrews says, the new old covenant doesn't have the power to make one righteous. And Israel rebelled against God and broke the covenant because of unbelief. They didn't do justice. They didn't love kindness. They didn't walk humbly with God, but rather followed the gods of the nations. They had the letter of the law. They had the law ink on paper or engraved on stone. But it wasn't in their hearts. It wasn't in their heart. You see, the Old Testament was good, but it didn't make the worshipers, the Israelites, perfect before God. The sacrifices of animals didn't atone for sin permanently. They didn't have the power to cleanse the worshipers. The Old Covenant, especially the Ten Commandments, reveals our sin and our inability to obey God. Reveals our inability to trust God. You think about laws in this country. Why laws? Laws reveal that there's a problem. You need a four-way stop sign in a busy intersection. Otherwise, somebody gets hurt and harmed. God's law was there to curb harm done to neighbor. See, the essence of God's law is love. Love God, love neighbor. But Israel and all mankind fails to love God and love neighbor. In fact, it enhances our sin and shows us how sinful we really are. You know, in the New Testament, there's a passage by Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, write that, that reference down, because Paul explains to us there 
the insufficiency of the old covenants. And in that passage, Paul teaches that he calls the old covenant a ministry of death, a ministry of condemnation. He calls it the letter of the law. And all who rely upon the letter of the law will not see life. It hides the glory of the new covenant promise that is in Jesus Christ. The old covenant is a veil. Yes, the old covenant, Paul says, was a glorious thing. But it's a veil that hides the glory of Christ. Paul says the letter of the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. You see, the days are coming when God will make a covenant with Israel. It will be a better covenant, a good covenant, one that has better promises, one that brings change, true change to hearts from the inside out. God promises to transform the lives of his people. So Jeremiah, the mouthpiece of God, speaks for God, saying, Behold, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant with them. That's a promise. But what's the nature of the new covenant promise? What's new about the new covenant? Well, we see that there that, first of all, that in the new covenant, God's law will be written on hearts. You see, the moral law doesn't change. God's moral law, the Ten Commandments, are the same because God doesn't change. And they reflect who God is. And so the moral law doesn't change. There's nothing new there. But what changes is the location of where that law is placed. No longer on stone, but on human hearts. Verse 33, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law, literally, I will put my Torah in their hearts or within them, literally in their interior, in their being. I will put my law and I will write it on their hearts. How will he put his law within us? Ezekiel chapter 36 is also referring to God's new covenant promise and the nature of the new covenant. When he says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. From all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This new covenant promise will come about when God will pour out his spirit into the lives of his people and put his law, his spirit within you, Christian. You are a recipient of this new covenant promise. The nature of the new covenant the law written on our hearts 
has been applied to believers in Jesus Christ. The old law was written on tablets of stone, but the new covenant will be written on our hearts so that people can do justice, people can love kindness, and people are empowered to walk humbly before God. You see, this is God's initiative. The command in Micah 6.8 is possible only through faith in Christ and the power of the Spirit. This work of God, this supernatural work of God, transforms sinners into faith-filled followers of Him. He will write this law on your heart. I'll give you an example here. Girls, I have here printed off the Ten Commandments. Okay? Now, isn't it easier to read this than to take it and believe it in your hearts and do them? These words are written on paper. But when you read them, are they in your heart? Are they in your heart? How do they get from a word written on paper or stone, commands, and then put into your heart so that when you read it, you see your inability to do these things that God commands And you trust in Jesus, the one who fulfilled all of these commandments for you, Christian. And upon belief, you receive the Spirit of God who takes this word and puts it in my heart. So that I learn to walk in his ways. There's a difference between reading or hearing the Ten Commandments every Sunday morning than it is to hear them believe that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets and that through faith in him, by the power of the Spirit, this law is written upon my heart. I put on the bottom of here, girls, I don't know if you can see this. There's an X and a line. And usually when you see that, there's a signature. Okay, somebody signs that. You know who signed that for you? You know who signed that for you? Jesus signed that. And you know how he signed that? Did he sign it with ink? No. He signed it with his precious blood. Because it is the blood of Christ that sealed the nature of this covenant. And we'll get to that in a minute. God takes this law through faith in Christ by the Spirit of God and he puts it in our hearts where we see our sin, where we see our Savior and his cleansing blood. 
The nature of the new covenant is also that God will be their possession forever. Verse 33b says, And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. In the days of the old covenant, God's law was broken. God's people rebelled against him, were unfaithful. They were called the unfaithful bride. But God will initiate a new age in creation when his people will forever be his people. The recipient of the new covenant promise will have his or her identity in their God. Have their identity in Christ. They will be my people. I will be their God. Because they belong to me. I own them. Their identity is in me. Third nature of the covenant and how it will be different than the old covenant is that everyone will know the Lord. Everyone. All will know the Lord. Verse 34 in the new covenant. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and his, each his brother saying know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord. Congregation of Christ, the days are coming and have come when Jesus Christ ushered in and inaugurated the new covenant promise and the nature of the new covenant are being manifested even now. The Spirit of God indwells Christians and by God's grace and favor, he creates faith in our hearts and puts his word in our hearts. But there's still a future fulfillment to come when the whole world will know the Lord in the new heavens and new earth. When the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven and all the redeemed of God through the shed blood of Christ will fill all the earth giving glory and praise to God. Everyone, all will know the Lord. And so there's an already not yet principle going on here. And we need to remember that this promise was given to Israel. It was given to Israel. And there will be a remnant of ethnic Israel who will come to faith in Jesus Christ along with the redeemed from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Everyone called by God's grace will know the Lord. Did you see those three things that God will initiate and bring about? He will do this. And we will all know those who are recipients of the new covenant, the new creation, the new age in Jesus Christ will know the blessing of the covenant. Lastly, the blessing of the covenant. The new covenant looks forward to an age when God will forgive his people permanently. What is permanent about the new covenant is that sins will be forgiven. He will remember your sins no more. Boys and girls, this doesn't mean that God has amnesia. Oh, he knows our sins. What he's talking about, when he remembers our sin no more, it means that he does not count our sins against us. As far as the east is from the west, which are not touchable, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Animal sacrifices will cease. The animal sacrifices of the old covenant will cease because in the, the blessing of the new covenant is this. I will remember your, their sins no more because God will send his one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
who came to lay down his life as a ransom for many. The righteous lay down his life for the unrighteous. And Jesus fulfilled the old covenant law, and in his death, he fulfilled the sacrificial system which pointed to Jesus and his death. And it is at the Last Supper where the Gospel writer Luke records the words of Jesus when the cup was passed. He said, this cup that is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. In my blood. Jesus in his death confirms and seals the new covenant promise. For his people. Out with the old. In with the new. Out with the animal sacrifices in the temple. And in with a new and living way to God. And forgiveness through Jesus Christ. The author of Hebrews writes. In chapter 10. And every priest stands daily at his service. Offering repeatedly the same sacrifices. Which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. He has perfected something the old covenant could never do. Jesus accomplished. He perfects his people makes them holy, righteous before God, cleanses them of all their sins. Do you realize this, Christian, that the only reason why you are able to approach God and worship now, the only reason why you can read, uh, receive absolution of sin now is because Jesus Christ, by that one offering for sin, that one offering, He has perfected you and is sanctifying you. And because he's at the right hand of the Father, he's interceding for you. He is mine, or she is mine. She belongs to me. I sealed my covenant that I made with him or her by my blood. This ought to make us think twice when we think about whether or not we are forgiven of our sins. When we trust in Jesus. This ought to make us really think about that. Because we need to keep preaching to ourselves. Jesus made one offering for sin. I believe, I believe, I believe. For even the author of Hebrews quotes from this new covenant text. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to, the, to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. No more need for an offering. Don't try to atone for your own sin by trying to earn God's favor by your works. Because there's one offering for sin. 
congregation of Christ, the Lord promised a new and better covenant. And He fulfilled His promise when He sent Jesus to usher in and seal the new covenant promise that is now realized and will be fully realized in the last day when everyone will know the Lord and worship before Him. If you believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of, of your sins, then you are a recipient of the covenant. If you are a recipient of the covenant promise, then you have the Spirit of God in you. And where the Spirit is, there is freedom and life. There is freedom and life. Because you have taken part of a ministry of reconciliation and not a ministry of death and condemnation. Because Jesus reconciled you and me to the Father. And because of this, by the Spirit, we are enabled and empowered to do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God, so that in all things, all things, God receives the glory, honor, and praise. For His name will be hallowed by His people. you are a recipient of the new covenant, then the Lord remembers your sins no more. You are accepted not on the basis of good works or your righteousness or the old covenant promises, but on the basis of Christ's perfect righteousness, his perfect work of salvation for you and me. The new covenant promise is ours in Jesus. And nothing but the blood will cleanse you and me from our sins. Because his blood has sealed that covenant eternally for us. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you that our Lord Jesus Christ ushered in the new covenant promise. It was confirmed at the Lord's Supper and sealed at the cross when he shed his precious blood. And, O oh Lord God, we're thankful that through Christ we receive the promised Holy Spirit, the Spirit who washes over us and cleanses us and renews us and transforms us in the renewing of our minds, the Spirit who places your law within our hearts, so that we not only hear your word from the pages of Scripture, but we believe and trust in your word and learn to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that is in Christ. Oh, Lord God, we thank you that the old is gone and that the new has come and that through Christ alone, in living and in dying, we have our only comforts. In his name we pray.